holidays a little bit earlier, mid-year, and uh, normally you have two weeks holiday break, so we thought we'll take the kids out for an extra week, and we didn't realise that we misjudged it, so when we actually came back from our holiday, uh, we went to America and then came back with our kids, is that um, when we got back, we had another week just to settle in, and then I decided to take them the week after, and who knows, I was the only one at school with my kids. I'll tell you what, that was the worst week in the world. You know, you're excited to release them into the wild. Then you realise they're in their uniform, they're lined up out the front door, and school's not on. And so that was great, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll never make that mistake again. Um, So we're ready to go. But I'm loving the theme uh, this year, We the Church, well, just for this season. We the Church, and, and, and I love the local church. I love what Bill Hybel says. He says, the local church is the hope of the world. I don't know, but I believe that with all my heart. The local church, and it's not a religion, it's not a building, it's not, it is you and I are the hope. We bring the hope, we bring Christ Jesus into this world. And some people look at it and they think, well, we the church, it's demonic. No, it's you and I. We're, we're living, we're organic, we're, we're spreading. And, and today I just thought, well, what better way than to look at where the church started? Uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Josh Pello did an amazing uh, theological discussion about this. And I think Carolina went home and said, Sam, can you help me please? I'm like, well, I can help you. But, but it was phenomenal just what the church is, where it is, but this is just the next step. And so as I was thinking and pondering over what he brought, I thought, well, at the end of the day, in Acts, what was the church known for? is that you had these followers of Christ all about. You had these guys called Christians running around in the book of Acts, and you read the great things that took place. Miracles took place. The Word of God was preached. People were added daily. And so after Josh's preach, I decided, well, you know, I'll start reading through Acts again myself. And, and there's a few things that stood out to me in the book of Acts. And one that has stood out to me in the last couple of weeks... Now, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, is Acts chapter 5, verse 12 and 16. And we're going to pick it up here, and really it's where the apostles have just gone out and they're spreading the Word of God. They've gone out and they can't contain it any longer. And it says, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were certainly taking place among the people. And by the common consent, they all met together, at the temple in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest of the people, the non-believers, dared to associate with them. I love this bit. However, the people were holding them in high esteem and were speaking highly of them. More and more believers were added, believers in the Lord, crowds of men and women were constantly being added to their number. To such an extent that they even carried out their sick into the streets and put them on cots and sleeping pads so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them with the healing power. And the people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were being healed. I was looking at that, that that same power today runs through you and I. 
That same message today, it's our job to bring the word. And as I was looking through that, I was like, well, then what does God expect of us today? If the church is the hope of the world, and we look in that passage right there, and you can see that they were bringing hope, they were bringing life, they were bringing healing, they were bringing transformation. I read through that scripture and I get excited because that is a picture of what we are called to do today. We are called to be who we are called, what we are called to do. And so as I was looking through that passage of scripture, a few things stood out to me. The first thing that stood out to me was this, is that they were held in high esteem. I was like, they were held in high esteem. And when I read through that, it says they were held in high esteem, but they were held in high esteem by non-believers. They were held in high esteem by those in the community that dare not join them. Have you ever thought about it? Is that we are actually called to be known. But but not just known, but to be held in high esteem. I believe this, that being held in high esteem is the character of Jesus evident in our lives. So my first question to you would be, is the character of Jesus evident in your life? Are you one people will look at and know that you're well respected, you're highly valued, is that people have a good opinion of you. As a church, I believe that we are called to be this, not from a point of view of pride, but actually a point of view that we add value to those around us. And this is what a lot of people think, is that, you know, we have to be the best, we have to be all this, and, and it's like this pride thing, it's puffed up. No, it's so we can add value to those around us. The only reason you're ever put in high esteem is when you actually add value. When you're at work and you get accolades, why do you get those things? You're held at high esteem because you bring value to that place. I believe the church, you and I, are to bring value to this community, to bring value to this nation, to bring value to this world, collectively and individually. We, the church and to bring value to those around us. I love Albert Einstein, one of his greatest quotes, which I love. It's, try not to be a man of success, but rather be a man of value. Are you a man or woman of value? Are you lifted up in high esteem? In Matthew 7, 16, Jesus says this, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. When someone takes a bite of you, what do they taste? 
I do have a story about a dog bite, but I'll leave that, hey, Gideon. <laughs> Me and Gideon have the greatest adventures. We ended up going down to a place, and a Roddy thought he tasted good and bit him on the backside. Like, <laughs> sorry, mate, I just had to go. Right? But, but when someone bites into your life, what, what do you taste like? Is it, you know, sometimes you walk away from someone and you've tasted who they are, you've tasted a substance, and it's like, I could have just left that. You know those meetings where someone says, you, I've got to catch, and you engage that person, it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Everyone knows what I'm saying. You're all just pretending. It's like bad fruit. Who knows fruit these days? And this is the thing about fruit these days, is some fruit just looks bad. You know, it looks damaged, it looks mouldy, and you know that if you bite into it, it's not going to be that good. You can see it from the outside, so, so some fruit you can see, you know. But who knows these days with all the artificial fruit and the, you know, everything they pump into it is that we have fruit all year round. That it's not quite in season and there's a reason for that. You know, those apples that you get when they're not in season. You, you think to yourself, man, I'm going to have an amazing apple right now. And you take the first bite and it's like hair. It's like, you, you know that apple, you're like, you've just been preparing for ages. And, that, and you take that bite and it's not crispy. It, there's just no nutritional value. There's no flavor. It's just like, thanks. But then all of a sudden you get those apples that are in season and you, you take a bite and the juices just start to flow down the sides of your mouth. Who loves those apples? Who, who loves those plums? Like as a kid growing up, I, I remember on the farm we would go down and it would be plum season. We'd pick the plums and we'd throw the plums. We would eat the plums. It was amazing. And these days I go into the shop and I, it's like a rock that's not a plum. <laughs> Plums are supposed to be messy. Plums are supposed to have flavour. Plums are supposed to be red on the inside. <sighs> Honestly. But sometimes some people's lives are like that. It is that on the outside it looks all great, but then all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> that's a bit artificial. Am I sorry, am I going too far? Okay, step back. But, but I believe this is that as a church, we should be known by our fruit. Is that when someone takes a bite, when they take a look, when they take a part of your life, they're left with some sort of nutritional value. You add value to them. You, you, you add substance to their life. Is that I, I pray and I believe that we are a church of substance. That we're a church of depth. That we're a church where, where people can come and they can be fed and they can walk away and feel, well, I've just been nourished. I've just been fed spiritually, physically, emotionally as they walk away. 
full of flavour, full of nutrition. I love it. If you read Galatians 5, 19 to 24, this is the message version. But what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchid. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, sincerity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that is basic holiness, permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to be forced our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I love that, direct our energies wisely. When people take a bite, do they taste these things? Can they see these things? When people look at you, do they see the character or the fruit of Christ within your life? Is it evident? Is it evident? Well, then how, how do these things become evident? Well, I'll tell you, it's just, it's really simple. How do these things become evident? It is so simple. Ask the Holy Spirit. It's not rocket science. Ask the Holy Spirit. Spend time in the presence of God. How these things hang with Jesus, worship Jesus, love Jesus, read Jesus' word, pray to Jesus, sink your foundations deep in Jesus, get immersed in Jesus and be found in Jesus. Is if you want the gifts of the Spirit, if you want the fruits of the Spirit evident in your life, well then the question is, what are you feeding on? What are you connected to? If you read through some of the, uh, the Scriptures and through the Gospels, it says that we need to be connected to the vine, we need to be connected to Him. If we're not connected to Him, then we're not going to produce His fruit. Is the character of Jesus evident in your life? Let the character of Jesus be evident in your life. The second thing, reading through Acts, that I found, that I love, is that believers were added daily. When people taste value, they want to be a part. When people have value added to them, they want to know more. Is, is the ministry of Jesus evident in your life? The greatest way you can serve someone is this, not, not to vacuum the floor, not to clean a toilet, not to sit out a pew, not to come and, and play worship, even those, those are things that you know, help people into the throne room of God. But if you truly want to serve someone, lead them to Christ. At the end of the day, all that matters is their relationship with God. Yes, yeah, serve. That's it. Is the ministry of Christ evident in your life? 
everything that we should do, everything that we have should always point to Christ. C.S. Lewis says this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedral, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. He became man for no other purpose, but somehow we can miss it. Somehow, if we're not careful, we, we miss it all. We sort of come into this place where we find that the church, religion, the, whatever it is, the denomination should be about just us and worship God. But yeah, but it goes beyond that. And so the lost are found. His cause, his purpose, everything we should do should point to Jesus. When was the last time you pointed someone to Jesus? When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you stepped out? Looking through the early churches, that's all they ever did. As they stepped out, they spoke. They, with every breath that they owned, they, they owned their faith. They declared the gospel. They declared the good works. They declared Jesus. But yet somehow in this day, we've, we were like, can I say Jesus? Is it acceptable? Like sometimes I think it's, we actually just need to get out of our box. It's all right to step out. It's all right to declare that you are a follower of Christ. Add value. You look through the, the Gospels and, and I look at what they had to face. It is today, you know what, someone might just call us a name. Today, someone might just not talk to you. They might see you walking down the road and then cross over. Yeah, they might just get offended. But, but I, I look at these apostles and, and where they were in the book of Acts, and, and with every breath that they had, they had to have faith. Is it even Stephen in, in the book of Acts, he was stoned for declaring the goodness of God. And, and he wasn't actually an apostle. He was probably what you would call a deacon. Someone just serving at the back door, you know, dishing out, looking after the orphans, looking after the widows. Maybe today he would have a vacuum cleaner on. He'd be working down in our food care, you know, handing out food, those things. Yeah, it was risky business. Or you look at Peter. Peter, it, it, it came time and they were hanging him to a cross and he was like, well, I can't really die like my saviour, so can you just hang me upside down? Like, these guys were serious. As it was serious until the end, as this is what we're going to do. John in Rome, he was plunged 
into boiling oil and he survived. And then wrote the last chapter in the New Testament. Oh, someone just called me a name. I'm never going to say anything again. Or how about get boiled in oil? Sometimes we think we've got issues. First Peter 4, 11. If anyone speaks, he should do as if one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. I love that moment where he makes that statement, with the strength God provides. I believe this with all my heart, is that if you're walking in the strength God provides, you'll never get burnt out. If you are walking out the calling that God has for your life, you will never get burnt out. As soon as you step outside the calling that God has for your life, you will feel tired, you'll feel burnt out. It's supernatural. Sir, with God's strength, with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, the power, forever. Amen. To glorify His name. That's the purpose. As I was reading through this, and I read through those things, as another scripture that caught my attention was in Acts. And it was where the apostles, they came to this place, and, and they started to stay there for a little while. And all of a sudden, there's some guys around town, the religious leaders were wanting to get them and, and put them on trial for what they preached. And, and so, I, I don't know what happened, is that they found out that these, and they left before these guys came. And so these guys rock up to this house, and this guy's name's Jason. And basically they were saying is that, you know what, where are they? They're not here. Okay, you, you can stand in their place on trial. And I look at what they're convicted of. Is the statement that convicts them is this in Acts 17.6, is those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Those who have turned the world upside down. I believe this is that we are called to be a church individually to turn our world upside down. To add value. To add value to people's lives. So that if you weren't there, they would know that you're missing. If you know me long enough, is that I do like going into certain situations and turning upside down and walking out. Who loves that? All business owners love doing that to their employees. Like it's just one of those things. Is, as Christians, we will do that to people we meet. They will feel uncomfortable. They will feel, oh, I'm just not sure if I believe that. But then all of a sudden, when you leave, 
their world will be turned upside down because the Spirit of God will start speaking to them. And in the book of Acts, that's what they were accused of. Turning their world upside down. And here's Jason who has just had him in his house and all of a sudden he is accused as well. Will people know you by your fruit? John 15, 16. I love it because it says here, it says, God chooses you. Is it in the end, God chooses you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. We are called to bear fruit. Fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. We are called to do that. We are called to bear fruit. And what I mean by that is is we're not called to, and I believe this, as a church we are called to grow, yes, numerically. There is no doubt about that. But if I say we are just called to grow our church here and then that's it, we clap our hands and walk out, I have failed as a pastor. We are called to make followers of the way. We are called to make Christians. Whether they stay part of our family here in our location, that is great. Whether they go somewhere else, that is even better. Some people, well, how do you say that? but we are called to bear fruit. We are called to see lives change. A hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter is someone's relationship with God. Someone's relationship with God. How are you with your relationship with God? How are you with connecting others to God? Let the ministry of Jesus be evident in your life. Let the character, let the ministry. And the last one when I look through Acts, just that scripture, is that healing followed. Healing followed. And my statement is this, is the transforming power of God evident around your life? Through the New Testament, you will see and you'll find after the word was preached, signs and wonders followed. And and I read that and I look at that and I think it's the most amazing thing that could ever take place. Is that at a point in time, is that when, when it comes to those things, is that healing always followed. But sometimes I think we put it in a box that healing is just this thing, it's a physical thing. But I I truly believe this, is that healing follows is really a transformational thing. Is that it happens physically, it happens emotionally, and it happens spiritually. And some people, they they chase the signs, they chase the way, they chase the big thing. But the thing that I'm really interested in is the little things that God does in individuals week in, week out. 
Because what I've found is that you can have the spectacular, which is great and it's a moment. But true transformation, I believe, just comes through the, the little things, week in, week out. The gradual, the testimonies of what God's done. Transformation. And a couple of years ago when Carolina and myself, we came to be location pastors here, we believe the word for this area was just transformation. Is that transformation would take place. And we believe that transformation really is just a, a sign of revival. And the old charismatic thing of revival is where everyone's shaking, lifting hands and falling over and rolling under the seats. Yes, that is a, a sign. But true revival goes beyond just the moment there. It goes for all eternity. It is a life-changing event that alters someone's future, that actually brings heaven to earth. And that they can walk it out all the days of their life, not just a moment. Transformation it takes place in many forms. It takes place in health being restored, provision coming through for finances, relationships being made whole, chains being broken, addictions falling off, mindsets being set free, emotional hurts being mended and it just goes on and on and on and I think the sad thing is that sometimes we can limit our God from what we expect and after being a pastor for 14 years I've come to realize this that I'm never going to keep God in a box I am never going to understand him fully and what he fully can do I'm just going to say God Show me. And as the years go on, prove me wrong on every area, God. Show me your grace. Show me your mercy. Never let me put you in a box. And our word for this place was transformation. I love what T.D. Jakes says, and this is another one of my, I suppose, core values is a true religion, good religion, has the responsibility to do more than sit idly by and watch people abused and only offer the sinner's prayers or prayer. The true salvation of society has more to do with economics, ethics, education, and a strong sense of God's creative plan for all human beings. And the only way we're going to see transformation come in the community around us is the church being the church, shining God's light. With godly people standing in positions, with godly people putting their hands up and saying, you know what, we're going to have the Spirit of God and we're going to teach. We're going to see transformation come. We're going to see miracles flow, flow from this place. 
We are called to bring transformation spiritually and physically through the power of God. Through the power of God. James 1, 27 says this, Pure and undefied religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Keep oneself unspotted from the world. Is the transforming power of God evident around your life? Is it evident around your life? Church today, we are the church. You are called to bring hope. You have been given all authority to go into the world, to preach the gospel, to declare His greatness so that not one will fall away. Today, is the character of God evident in your life? Is the ministry of God evident in your life? Is the power of God evident in your life? Father God, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you you've called us to go beyond these four walls. You've called us corporately, but God, more than that, you've called us individually. Father God, today I pray for each and every one of us. Speak, challenge us, move us, so that we can be the light that you've called us to be so that we can be the salt, so that we can go and add value to those around us. Your value, your, your gospel, your goodness, your greatness, your mercy, your, your grace. Lord, let us step out in power, that every word will be an utterance of your spirit, that you'll give us the ability to know where you're at, to know what you want us to do, so that we walk in your strength and not in our strength, so that we won't grow weary while doing good. Today, Father, fill us afresh with your Spirit because it's only by your Spirit that we can achieve what you've called us to achieve as a church, as individuals, as followers of the way. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Just while your heads are bowed,